Morning. Hey, if you're new around here, my name is Stephen. I'm the pastor. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, this uh, year. We've been studying the book of Acts. We're now in Acts chapter 3. Uh, we're in a little series in Acts chapter 3 called By His Name. And what we're looking at is the very first miracle of the church. And uh, the quick story is uh, an individual, a man was lame uh, from his birth, and he was carried every day to the temple gate. And on one particular day, Peter and John, the two apostles, were walking into uh, the temple to pray, and they have this interaction with this individual, and uh, he's looking for alms. They say, hey, silver and gold, we None, but in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And the man jumps up. He starts walking around. And last week, we talked about the two sides to a miracle, the agent side and the recipient side. Of course, all of this is dependent upon God's will, uh, God's sovereign will. But there are these miracle moments uh, that God uses us. Uh, and sometimes we're like the agent of the miracle. We get to say a prayer or do something. Uh, and then there's the recipient side of the miracle, uh, which is when we receive something from God that we certainly couldn't do on our own. Last week, we broke it up into two different areas, movement and a movement, which was kind of like the internal uh, spiritual miracles that happen, and then miracles being like the physical uh, or, or natural, nature-oriented miracles that we might experience. And, and we call these miracle moments and then at the end of it, uh, I gave us a new terminology for the moment, uh, for the, uh, the moment, which we called a woo moment. Okay. Now, many of you shared your woos with me last week. Okay. Those are woe or woos, not woes. Okay. So these are good things. And I, I actually did. I had some great conversations with many of you or even some emails and some Facebook messages about <clears throat> woo moments. And these are these moments when God steps in and he does something that so clearly only he could do. And when he does, there's like no other way to respond than woo, because he's so good. Now today, what I want to talk about uh, and just carrying on through the story in Acts chapter 3 is what is the meaning of the miracle, or if we're going to uh, stick with our alliteration, what is the reason for the woo? What's underneath it? We know what happened, but why did it happen? And I have uh, four for you this morning. And these four are the meaning behind every miracle. You could start at the beginning and go all the way through the end of Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, uh, and then to this day, 2,000 years after the New Testament, and then however many years there are out into the future. The meaning of every miracle or the reason for every woo is right here, and it follows this process. And so uh, what I want to do this morning is help you understand when these things happen in your life, why are they happening? And so we just have four. This is one of those great sermons where the text just kind of teaches itself. So I'm just going to read the verse, and then after I read the verse, we'll chat about it a little bit. We'll start in verses 8 and 10. Uh, so that wasn't in your reading, but it was last week. So we'll pick up from there, uh, and then we'll go into uh, the first point. Verse 8 through 10. And leaping up, this is the, the man who was healed. And leaping up, he stood, and he began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Woo! And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. It's like they looked at him and go, woo! And he looked it back and he goes, woo! Everybody's wooing here. Because what they've seen is obviously a miracle. It's remarkable. 
How is it possible that this guy is leaping and walking? Notice he didn't go from like um, getting healed and like standing up and kind of like learning to walk. He's leaping in the very next sentence. Walking, leaping, jumping, all of those kind of things. I was gonna do that today on stage, but it's the first day ever that I wore pants that would probably rip, so I can't jump, okay? And some of you are like, you have your shirt tucked in. Is everything okay? Everything is fine, okay? I promise. This guy is excited. He's walking, he's leaping, he's praising God. It, it, this is his woo moment. And, and for those of you who shared your woo moments with me, or, like you understand what is going on with this guy. You remember that moment in your life when woo was the only thing, uh, like the only fair expression because of how good God was. And so why, why does he do these? Well, the first reason, the first meaning of the miracle is, is simply this, to change a life or because he loves you. God is good, and he is gracious, and he is kind. And many of you shared your woo moments with me, and each one of them is personal, and each one is powerful, and each one was provided by God's good grace. And these woo moments are these reminders to us of how much he loves us. I reference Zephaniah 3.17 a lot, uh, the, the verse that talks about how uh, God is joyfully singing over you. And so these woo moments uh, they, they are a, a, a reminder to us that we are his children, that he's watching out for us, that he provides for us, that he's good and gracious and kind and he loves you. And there are verses all over scripture that remind us of this. Luke 19.10 says this, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Let me say it a different way. For Jesus came to create woo moments for those who didn't know him. And some of you, you remember that woo moment when you, the moment of your salvation, you were as lost as can be. We were all that way, by the way. You were lost and then you got found and woo was the only appropriate response. John 10, 10. For, uh, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Satan wants to steal your woo. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And sometimes doctrinally, some of us get a little like tense when we hear the term like abundant life, right? Well, these were Jesus's words and Jesus did come to bring abundant life. Satan wants to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus wants to do the opposite. And these woo moments are the reminder to us uh, of our, this is in reference to Jesus being the good shepherd of our good shepherd leading us into the abundant or the good life. And to stop and to pray for those things, to pray uh, for his abundance, to pray that God would open the door, to pray that God would send the person in your life. And then when he does, woo! Thank you, Lord. You are awesome. He loves you. He has good for you. He knows you. He, he, he understands your concerns. He's not distant or far. He wants to answer your prayers in accordance with his will. Psalm 37, four, take the light in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. All right, when they're aligned with his. He loves you and every miracle moment is the reminder of God's great love. And so what should you do in those moments? Celebrate. Celebrate the goodness of your God. Celebrate how much he loves you. Celebrate what good things he's doing in your life. Woo! All the way. Now, second thing, uh, second reason. You keep going right through the verse. 
while he clung to Peter and John. Actually, before I move on to my second point, let me stop for a second. Uh, the, the man who experienced the miracle is now clinging to Peter and John. And there's actually a bit of a warning in this line. And here's the warning. Sometimes we cling to the agent instead of the source. Do you understand the difference? We don't want to cling to the agent of the miracle. We want to cling to the source of the miracle. And sometimes we can get these things confused. And uh, Peter and John rightfully here, um, they're not going to try to take any credit or any glory themselves. Uh, but even as recipients of a miracle, we have to be careful that we don't cling inappropriately. Okay? There's a term for people. They're called clingers. Okay? You don't want to become a clinger. And, uh, and what, that, uh, what I mean by this is this, is that something can happen in our life or God can use something. God can use a pastor. God can use a, a, a podcast. God can use a church. God can use an author. God can use a pastor far away. God, whatever, uh, a musician, a band, uh, a worship album. And we can actually cling to it, thinking that it is the source of our transformation. No, Jesus is the source of your transformation. It is okay to honor the agent. It is okay to respect. In some ways, it's even okay to love the agent, right? You can love going to church here. You can love some famous preacher that you listen to, but don't cling. Don't, don't inappropriately assign to that person uh, the, being the source of your transformation as opposed to the agent, okay? Uh, sometimes you hear people say this. They're like, uh, and like sometimes it's actually funny because people will be like, oh man, I just worship that pastor, you know, do you realize what you just said? Like, you're, you worship a guy who's trying to point you to Jesus? Like, you missed the point, right? No, it's not the source. It's the agent, right? It's the, uh, we, we always worship the source, excuse me, not the agent, all right? So that's just a little bit of a warning that's wrapped up into this verse. While he clung to Peter and John, uh, what happens? What happens with woo moments? All the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? Second reason, second meaning of the miracle is this, to gather a group to bring glory to God. Woo moments have this tendency of bringing people around. And when woo moments have occurred in your life, right, maybe you finally met the person that you have been praying for, or you got out of the dark season into the light season, uh, or the door open that you have been praying would open, to whatever woo moment we were talking about last week, uh, that you knew you were on the journey, and then it happened, it has a tendency, they have a tendency of a group begins to gather around, and they start asking questions, like, well, how did that happen? How did you get here? Tell me the story about that. How did you two meet? Uh, I, I thought you couldn't have kids. Who is this, right? The story uh, garners attention, and when it does, we see the meaning of the miracle or the second reason for the woo. It is to gather a group, but it is to gather a group to bring glory to God, to bring Him glory. And Peter and John do this rightfully so. Uh, they, everyone starts gathering around naturally, as people do. And, uh, and Peter looks at him and he goes, why are you staring at us? Why are you staring at us? I, oftentimes, I'll just be like sitting in the room and I'll be looking over at Reagan. Okay, she, actually, it's Reagan's fifth birthday today. How cool is that, right? And so, yeah. And, um, and, and, and there'll be these times where I'll just be like, and I kind of, I mess with her now, but I'll be staring at her, and Rain will look back at me, and she'll go, why are you staring at me? 
And I'll say, because you're the most beautiful girl in the whole world. She'll say, Daddy, you always say that. It doesn't mean anything anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm going to keep saying it. But, okay. Um, and, but why are you staring at me? And Peter and John, they, they're looking out and they're going, why are you staring at us? Don't look at us. This isn't about us. And Peter and John actually teach us something really important here because what they teach us is that um, when we begin to take credit for things that we ought not to take credit for, we typically take credit for them either because we elevate our own power or our own piety. In other words, we elevate our own ability or our own righteousness. And we think that it's a result of our abilities or our righteousness that the thing happened. And so something good begins to happen, uh, and, and it's so subtle, and like we don't even realize it, but what we begin to do is go, you know what, I really did work really hard. You know what, I really have been very good lately, and I've prayed all the prayers, and I, and I have avoided the right sins, and so I have all the power or all of the, um, the holiness of God with me because of what I have done. And we can begin to puff ourselves up and Peter and John, they got the crowd there looking at them. They go, don't look at us. We didn't do this. He did it. He did it. And so when the miracle moment happens in your life, don't take credit. Don't think it's because of you. Don't, don't pat yourself on the back right now. Uh, does this mean we can't be like proud of our accomplishments? Sure, okay, we can work through all that stuff. But the point is underneath, we know what? God did this. God did it, not me. Point to him. Give him the glory that he deserves. And so Peter and John, they look, they say, don't, don't look at us. Glory to Jesus. Glory to the Father. Glory to him. He's the, he's the source. We were just the agents. And even in little things in our life, really, when we have proper perspective, even if it was something we built, right, whether it was a business or it was the job or we, we won this thing or whatever we do, uh, oftentimes we still think that we were the source of it. And we have to take a step back and go, even in that, he is the source. He's the one who gave you the wisdom. He's the one who gave you the ability. He's the one who gave you the opportunities. He's the one who made it happen. He gets the glory. He gets the glory. So that's the second meaning of the miracle. And by the way, this should only just result in humility for us. No matter what we might accomplish, no matter how good it might get, the only thing that when we properly understand this second point is, is just humility. He did it. I didn't. He's awesome. I'm just grateful he used me. It's the second reason. Second meaning of the miracle, right? Gather a group. A group will come. A group will come. Woo moments always attract. Give them all the glory. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Third thing, just keep reading right through the text. I told you, this is so easy. All right, number uh, verse 13. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. What's the third reason? The third reason, third meaning of the miracle is this, uh, is that it reveals God's unchanging nature. It reveals God's unchanging nature. Every miracle is a reminder to us. Every woo moment is a reminder to us that our God doesn't change. 
that our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, uh, that God existed before creation. Uh, he will a- exist for all of eternity, and he is exactly the same. There's verses all over the scriptures that remind us of this, that, that Christ is the Alpha and the Omega, uh, right? That he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It reveals to us the unchanging, God's unchanging nature. And this is something actually where if, as point two should give us humility, right? Point one should give us gratitude and joy. I can't believe you love me that much. That's incredible. Point two should give us humility. Uh, point three then uh, should simply give us confidence. Why? Because I have the same God, the same God. He doesn't change. Like if I could sing right now, I would sing the song, same God, okay? Right here on stage right now. I won't do that. I'll spare you. But the point is he is the same God. He's the same God, and this should give us incredible confidence. Uh, Peter and John, they're looking out at the crowd, and, uh, and they're all astounded right now. And, and, and for the Christian, there are these moments in life where it's all right to be like, this is incredible. I'm astounded. On one hand, we're like, I'm astounded. This is amazing. But on the other hand, we're like, I knew he could do it. We're like astounded, but we're not really astounded. Like, we don't want to miss out on being like, God, you're incredible, and I'm so glad that you did that. But inside, we're like, but I knew you could. I knew you could. Why? Because you're the same God. Peter says, he's the same God uh, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Like, just look at their lives. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Like, Abraham was wealthy and had a very comfortable life, and he had to give it all up to journey to something, and he had no idea uh, where that was going to take him, but he trusted God, and so he left, and then God was faithful in the promise. Even when there was no human reason to believe that God could be faithful in the promise, Abraham believed in faith. God was faithful, and he fulfilled his promise. Then uh, Isaac is part of the fulfillment of that promise, and Isaac goes through a similar journey. In fact, in Genesis chapter 25, uh, we're told that Isaac, who is also supposed to uh, um, bear children, or his wife is, uh, for the purpose of the promise, it says his wife couldn't conceive. And so he, uh, he says, um, he begins to pray, she conceives, she bears a son, and the promise gets extended again. And then there's Jacob, and Jacob's life was crazy. He had to leave home, he had to run, right? And then he has this dream of a ladder going up to heaven where God says, now uh, everything that I told your, uh, your father and your grandfather, I'm gonna do through you. And then he basically has to work like 20-something years just to like earn his bride story for a different day. And he gets to serve his uh, crooked uh, father-in-law uh, and then after that, he's broke. He wants to leave. And so he just asks his father-in-law, like, hey, can I have all of the bad business assets that make you zero money? And his father-in-law's like, sure, take them. And then God makes him rich out of it. And then he journeys back. And Peter and John are like, it's the same God. Like, I don't know why you guys are so astounded. I don't know why you're staring at us. You guys, Israelites, you've read your Old Testament. I don't know why you're shocked right now. I don't know why you are limiting what you think God can do. You know the stories. It's the same God. It's the same God. And every time, every time there's a miracle moment, every time there is a woo, it's a reminder to us, this God, he does not change. He's the same God. Now, the other good news about this is uh, in, the, in the New Testament, there's a couple of verses in the New Testament that actually talk about the Old Testament, and they're really helpful because they help us understand through what filter or lens should I read the Old Testament. And one of the verses in the New Testament that talks about the Old Testament tells us that we read the stories of the Old Testament as examples and instruction. 
Examples and instruction. Now, there's a second way to read the Old Testament. We'll talk about that in a second. But the first one is we read the Old Testament as an example or instruction, which means we can go back and we can read the Old Testament and we can see what incredible examples of faith Hebrews chapter 11 talks all about this, all these different people who by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And we can read back and we can see, okay, so here's an example of faith in a particular moment, right? Uh, But then it also shows us the nature of our God and how he responded to those moments. That's one one, one of the reasons I love reading the Old Testament. Because I get to go back and I get to read the stories and I get to be reminded, oh, it's the same God. It's the same God. Like, are you facing something right now and you feel like God has called you to move from one season into the next season, but there is something that is stopping you? Go read Exodus. There was a, an entire sea that was stopping the Israelites from moving where they were to where they wanted to go, and God parted it. Same God. Same God that you serve. Then eventually, they find themselves um, uh, going into the promised land, and and there's a promise that they're supposed to have uh, to to be granted, which is to obtain the promised land, and and there's a fortified city that stands in opposition, and there are walls. And so if you feel like there are walls right now that have been built up against you to stop what God wants to do in your life, look and read the story of Joshua around Jericho and see what God does to walls. Tears them down. Same God. You serve the same God. Are you depressed, discouraged, or distressed right now? Go see what God did for Elijah when he was feeling alone, depressed, and wanted to quit. And God showed up in a personal, powerful way that says, I love you, Elijah, and I'm gonna provide everything you need in this moment. Same God. You serve the same God. And we could just keep going through the stories. Do you feel like somebody is slandering your name, gossiping about you, and you don't know what to do? You want to fight back in all of the wrong ways. Go read the story of David. Go read through the Psalms and see how God will vindicate the name of a righteous person. Same God. You serve the same God. And so you get to go back. I get to go back. We get to read those stories as instructions and as example. And that gives me confidence, and that should give you confidence. I don't know what you're facing right now, but the same God, I'm sure there's a story back there that will tell you what he can do. Same God. You serve the same God. When I was um, growing up, I played a, lot of, played a lot of high school sports, and it Unfortunately, for the school that I went to, playing a lot of high school sports meant I lost a lot of high school sports games, okay? So, like, my uh, sophomore year uh, of football, I was the quarterback, okay? Like, I'm 5'6". I couldn't see over the line, okay? We were bad. And when I say bad, I mean that there was, like, computer rankings. We were in Division Six, and statistically, we were the worst team in the lowest division in the state of Ohio. We were literally the worst football team in Ohio, Okay, and uh, the very first game of the season, my sophomore year, we were playing uh, Swanton. Okay, somebody's like, "You lost to Swanton?" Yeah, we were that bad. Okay, lost to. I was gonna say Swantucky, but I don't know if that's is that bad. Okay, all right. Now, for I know, I know, I know. First game of the season, right? Of course, we come out fired up, like we're gonna be good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's halftime. My dad is in line at the concession stand, and he sees some um, parents talking, wearing swatting gear, saying something like, man, I really hope that quarterback lives through the second half. 
okay? <laughs> because, I mean, I was just getting destroyed, right? And there was this mom... Um, of one of the players on our team and she would sit up in the crowd and she would chant this chant they can do it we can do it let's go team they can do it we can do it let's go team they can do it we can do it let's go team and I'd be lying on the ground with three men laying on top of me and I wanted to stand up and be like no we can't do it the only reason they can do it like this is because we can't do it. Because they're that much better than us. Like the chant should have been, our team can't do it, that's why you're doing it. Right? We can't do it, but God can. Let's go, God. And you might not be able to get yourself over that addiction or over that sin problem or uh, past the season of darkness. You might not be able to, but he can. Let's go, God. Give him the glory. Give him the credit. Let him do it. Let him do it. Let's go, God. And every miracle moment, every miracle moment is the reminder, he's the same God, man. He's the same God. He's the same God. He's the same God. Gives us confidence. So now, look at this. Every miracle. We've got joy in the first, the first reminder, right? So the miracle happens. Whoo, joy. That's awesome, right? Second one, though, gives us humility because we don't want our joy to take us to pride, okay? We don't want our joy to take us to pride. So then joy takes us to humility, right? But then humility gives us confidence. And don't you, haven't you seen this in the Holy Spirit, how you can look at somebody and go, man, you, they're, you're both humble and confident. And isn't that something we should all strive for, I think? Like, I, I, I don't want pride and confidence, right? You don't want humility and, uh, and, and indecision about who your God is, but a humble confidence. And, and humble confidence, by the way, it comes from just recognizing, oh, he's the one who did it. It was all him. It was all him. Don't stare at me. Don't stare at us. Don't stare at this. Don't stare at that. Stare at him. Stare at him. What's the fourth reason? Fourth meaning of the miracle. Just keep on reading. It tells us right here. But you denied the holy and righteous one, and you asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life. Isn't that a great verse? You killed the author of life. It's like, did you really think that was going to work? He wrote life into existence. You think you can erase him? Come on. It says, you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, I'm going to preach on this verse next week, and I'm excited. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. It was Jesus, he says. Fourth meaning of the miracle or reason for the woo is this. It gives a platform for the gospel. It gives a platform for the gospel. And this is uh, uh, Peter and John. Uh, it's actually kind of funny as you're reading through it because they're talking about the lame man and they're talking about what happened. And then it's like Peter has this moment where he goes, hey, now that I got you all gathered here, do you remember when you killed Jesus? You remember? You guys, y'all killed Jesus? 
And, and, and for us, it's kind of like that too. It's like, hey, you're all here and, uh, and I'm telling you about my God and, uh, and I'm telling you about how he's unchanging and, and the miracles that he's performed in my life and the good things that he's performed in my life. But now that I got you here, now that you've asked, can I tell you about the gospel? Can I tell you about the greatest woo moment? Can I tell you about the power that makes any of this possible? Can I tell you about what this is really all about? It's about the gospel. It's about Jesus was dead and he rose from the grave and his power extends out and rescues those of us who are lost. It's about the gospel. And every miracle moment then, uh, and, and its core meaning, right, uh, is this, it is just a platform to proclaim the gospel to just stand up and say, man, this is all about Jesus and what he did and what he does and how he redeems life and how he changes lives. So you want to know, uh, you know, these hypothetical conversations. Oh, you want to know how we met? Yeah, sure, cool, I'll tell you how we met. Okay, now let me tell you about the gospel. Oh, you want to know how I was healed? Okay, let me tell you how I was healed. Okay, but let me tell you about the gospel. Oh, you want to know how I got the new job? Okay, let me tell you, okay, but now let me tell you about the gospel. Everyone is a platform to proclaim the beauty of the gospel. And this, is a, this has been true all of time, all of time. Every miracle moment has been about proclaiming the gospel. And maybe you're like, well, Stephen, what about all the miracles in the Old Testament? Because they didn't even have the gospel yet. Well, I'll answer. Claiming the gospel, they were pointing to the gospel, which is a point of proclamation. They were actually pointing to the gospel See, there's one way to read the Old Testament, and that is you go back and you read the Old Testament and you go, oh, this is an incredible example and instruction to me. And that is a fun way to read the Old Testament. But there's an actually, I'll call it a better way, uh, or a different way, maybe a better way. I think it's a better way. There's another way to read the Old Testament, and that is that every story is actually pointing and proclaiming the gospel. Every miracle is pointing and proclaiming the gospel. Let me give you an example. You go to Daniel. Go to Daniel. Daniel was this guy, he was this wise man, and uh, he was taken out of his hometown of Jerusalem as a young man, and he was um, transported, enslaved, uh, and taken to Babylon. And there he gets to Babylon, and he becomes known for his wisdom and his intelligence. And he's a fervent man of prayer. And there's a righteous, I'll call them righteous, they think they're righteous, we'll call them a self-righteous mob of Babylon. And they begin to look at Daniel and say, we have got to destroy Daniel this man and so they come up with some rules and some systems uh, to find Daniel in a fault and once they find Daniel in a fault the mob runs off to the king and says hey you have to put Daniel to death and their particular way of dying uh, right when they did this is that they would send somebody into the lion's den and so Daniel, who is actually innocent before God, but guilty before these men, is sent into the lion's den where he will be devoured by the lions. And so Daniel gets thrown in and uh, the night is going on, but the lions don't actually devour Daniel. Instead, there's a miracle moment. There's a woo moment because if I'm Daniel, I am wooing all night, okay? Like, you want to talk about lesson one, like, uh, or meaning number one, that it was good for you because God loves you. Like, it is better to not get eaten than it is the well, other way around. It's better, yeah, to not get eaten. That's, that's better. And so Daniel has this woohoo moment. And then he gets taken out of the lion's den. And as he gets taken out of the lion's den, Darius runs up and goes, Daniel, how did this happen? 
Daniel goes, well, now that I got the group around, let me tell you. He did it. He did it. He did it. And Darius goes, wow, your God is amazing. And Daniel's like, yeah, and he's been amazing forever. And Darius says, we got to write a decree so that people for all of time will know about the unchanging nature of your God. Daniel's like, yeah, that's a good idea because he's awesome. And there is a way, the first way, where we can go back and we can read the story. And we ought to read the story this way. It's not bad to read the story this way because you and I are going to find ourselves in moments where we're going to be in situations that are going to try to devour us. And we're not going to have any reason, any earthly reason on why it is that we are able to emerge out of that season not devoured. And some of you, you've done that. You entered into something and it was Satan's intent that it would destroy and devour you. And you got out on the other side of it and you were like, wow, I can't believe I made it out alive. All the glory is his. All the glory is his. And other people run out and they go, how'd you make it out alive for that? I don't know, it wasn't me. It was all him. It was all him. Let me tell you how good he is. Let me tell you how good he is. Ah, but there's another way to read the story, too. There's another way to read the story. And then the second way to read the story, it's Daniel doesn't just remind you of you. Daniel reminds you of someone else. He reminds you of Jesus, who goes from a foreign land and enslaves himself to come to a foreign land. A man of wisdom and intelligence that the righteous mob says, we have got to put this guy to death. And so the innocent one gets placed in front of the earthly king. And they say, we have to devour him. And so Jesus goes to the cross, facing the prowling, roaring lion, the enemy, death. And Jesus faces the cross. And he is absolutely devoured by it. Not like Daniel. Now, Jesus was devoured. But like Daniel, three days later, Jesus rises up, delivered out of the grave. So you have to ask, if Daniel's a picture of Jesus, how come Jesus was devoured? So that you wouldn't have to be. That's the gospel. Jesus gets devoured by the lion so that you and I can only be delivered. And that that's the greatest woo moment ever. And you say, well, what should that produce? Joy. Joy. You love me? You did that for me? Woo! Humility. I couldn't have done it myself. Not by my power, not by my piety, but by faith, by faith in 
his name. And confidence, confidence, a humble confidence. Because now I, because now you walk in the name of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so you walk in confidence. Oh, and the fourth one. They'll use a term later. But it's a little bit. You become a little bit. You become a little bit annoying. I got to tell you what Jesus did. I got to tell you how he rescued me, how he was devoured so that I wouldn't be. I got to tell you. Later on in the text, in Acts chapter 4, it's going to say that the uh, Jewish leaders were starting to get greatly annoyed because the man was just running around telling everybody. Ah, that's a term I want labeled on me. Stephen is greatly annoying. Some of you are like, I already call you that. Because I just can't shut up on what Jesus has done for me. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to take a next step with Redemption Church, visit us online at experienceredemption.com slash connect card. You can also give online to support the work of Redemption Church. To explore your giving options, visit experienceredemption.com slash give online. We hope that the message you heard today encouraged you. See you again soon.